Hi, everybody. Welcome back to It's Lock Podcast. I'm Caroline and this is Emily. I'm Emily. Caroline, do I look (laughs) do I look particularly red to you today? (laughs) You do. I was thinking about that. Did you get sunburnt? No, I did not get sunburnt. However, it is like 100 degrees here and we don't have AC. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That is nuts. What? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going, my roommates and I are escaping to the lake tomorrow. Okay, good. Cause that's too hot to be alive. I mean, we had a major, <laughs> major heat wave in Philly the last like that. week and a half. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty rough to be alive. Honestly. Yeah. But, um, today it's a nice 80 degrees. So it's, it's actually been yeah. a really nice day. Lovely. Lovely. That's, that sounds, that sounds great. Except weirdly, you know, I, so my I have a window AC unit, but I put mine in our living room downstairs because I spend most of my time down there. Yeah. But now that I have my gaming set up, I'm going to be spending more time in my bedroom, but I don't want to haul it back and forth. And so I've just been dealing with it being hot up here because I sleep way better when it's hot. Whoa. What? Which is really weird. <laughs> Who are you? That's scary. I don't know. But I know that if I like if I put in my window AC unit and had it on all night, I would wake up in the middle of the night freezing and feeling sick. Right. Okay. Um, well, I'm glad that it's working out for you. <laughs> I'm glad that that's good for you. I mean, I'm a tomato right now from heat, but <laughs> I know I literally was like, oh, I guess you went like to the beach and got sunburned. <laughs> like I, I, I didn't no. even think about it. That's so funny. She's just red. Oh, that's really silly. Uh. Um. So I, I know that we, well, we both have an announcement to say. Yours is, That's um, my announcement. your announcement is that you built a computer. Oh, yes, that is and my announcement. have streaming ability now. So keep an eye out, everybody, Yay. for Emily being super cool. Hashtag Gamer Girl, Emily Hunt. Hashtag Gamer Girl. Something, yeah, I'm also going to be for our, um, if you are a Patreon member, then you've seen that we're going to be doing some exclusive streams. And so I was planning one of those today. I'm going to get a date on a calendar and then I'm going to pick a few games and have our patrons vote on them. And then yeah. our patrons will be able to watch that stream That's awesome. and we'll do fun things in the chat. Like you guys can vote on different like dialogue options or optional actions, um, stuff like that, just to make it a little fun, fun, yeah. interactive stream thing. It's going to be great. That's great. Actually, that is a great segue into my announcement, which was Ooh. that we have a Patreon now for folks yeah. who do not know. Um, yeah, s- streaming is a fun thing that you get to be part of. Also, exclusive episodes. We just posted our first one, like a couple days yesterday. Actually, diddly dead indeed. We did. So anyway, if you're interested and have the means, please feel free. No pressure, but it's helpful also if you can. So. Mm-hmm follow your dreams. Yeah. Thank Where you do they advance. find that Caroline? They can find that at patreon.com slash it's locked podcast. Yes. So man. fun. And you can so see our, my great graphic design skills and our beautiful faces. <laughs> um, yeah. Both of our pictures and our logo. Right. And our logo. It's, it's really not. It's gorgeous. That great. <laughs> but it's fine. It's great. Uh, no, it's oh. incredible. Well, before we get going on the Phantom of Venice, I have a um, message from one of our listeners that I wanted to share. Okay. Which is about danger on Deception Island. I don't know if you remember back in our episode when I was like, people don't use whales for military technology. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, Okay, well, go. I think did this come through through like a comment or something? No, it was a mess. It was a DM. And I saw so that. The user's name is also Caroline. You have a great taste in names, oh. my friend. Um, we Caroline, all know you picked it out. So good job. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, Caroline Reinhardt uh, basically let me know that orcas were actually trained in the military, and oh, it was shit. mostly in Russia, which is pretty cool. There's a an article that she sent, which is really neat and has a lot to do with it. And the U.S. Navy had been training orcas at one point, and there's a lot of that kind of thing. And she also said, in terms of the headgear shown in Danger on Deception Island, it's at least semi-accurate. 
When I was younger, there was a Sea World in my area, and they showed a video of an orca with similar headgear. So, yeah, it was just really interesting. So um, she sent two articles, and if we're able, we can put them in the the show notes if people are interested um, in that. But, yeah, so shout out to Caroline. Thank you, Caroline, name twin, for sending us your facts. Yes. Um, I have another fan tidbit (gasps) I don't know the best way to go about this so Tessa sent me her entire Bruno Bole Josiah Crowley conspiracy theory it's rather lengthy but should I just read it it's good Mm. I'm how like how long do you think it's gonna be uh it's about two google docs pages (laughs) okay (laughs) I'll read it I'll read it, and if it gets too long, then I'll cut it out, and we'll re- we'll release it some other way. Okay, that um, sounds good. Okay, so without further ado, all credit goes to Tessa. Thank you, Tessa. Tessa says, "I was struck by the similarities between Legend of the Crystal Skull and Secret of the Old Clock. Both games are centered around wealthy men who have hidden something of great value, leaving a tangled web of clues for the intended beneficiary to follow." In clock, Josiah hides mirrors, mirrors inside gifts he had given his loved ones so the Crandalls can find his will. In the crystal skull, Bruno hides glass eyes around the property so Henry will find the crystal skull. It hit me that Josiah and Bruno could be the same person. In my mind, the story goes as follows. Dot, dot, dot. And God bless Tessa. I know. Because this is her first sentence. The year is 1930. Yes, yes. Josiah Crowley is a retired dentist living in Titusville, Illinois. He's a man of his mid-60s who has many hobbies. The community knows him as a generous neighbor, playwright, and eccentric inventor who's always collecting oddities or playing miniature golf on his personal course. Throughout the years, Josiah acquired many things. Parlor games, clocks, puzzle boxes, talking robots, even an original Rolf Kessler carousel horse he bought in New Jersey. However, Josiah's favorite treasure is a crystal skull he purchased from a man who had fallen on hard times. The man was traveling south searching for work after he lost his manufacturing job in Chicago. Josiah, who never knew a stranger, offered him a ride and a warm meal. The man was impressed by Josiah's vast collection of curiosities and told him he had something that might interest him, a crystal skull. When Josiah saw the skull, he was amazed and offered to buy it for $50. The traveler obliged and they parted ways, wishing each other well. A time later, Josiah is enjoying a slice of pie at the Lilac Inn during a busy lunch hour. He notices Richard Topham looking for a seat and offers to share his table. The two men hit it off. Topham explains that he's a psychic teacher who helps his students harness their telepathic potential. Josiah is intrigued and invites Topham for a session in his home the same day. During the session, Topham notices Josiah's crystal skull on display and recognizes it from his paranormal studies. The Whisperer is an ancient Incan relic that offers its owner immortality from natural death. When he questions Josiah about the skull's origin, it's clear that he's unaware of its power. After this session, Topham tells Josiah that he possesses a great psychic ability, unlike any other he has seen, and that they must continue the sessions to develop his skill. Eventually, Topham moves in with Josiah as his full-time psychic tutor. After several weeks of daily sessions and no psychic improvement, Josiah becomes suspicious of Topham's true intentions. One night, he overhears Topham speaking softly to the crystal skull and realizes Topham is planning to kill him and steal the skull. Terrified, he stages a fishing accident at Bogart's Pond, knowing that he will be presumed dead. He hides his will, which leaves everything to Emily Crandall and flees the town with, with the crystal skull in tow. Josiah eventually settles in New Orleans, where he opens another dentistry practice under the name Bruno Crowley. Years go by, but Bruno remains unchanged and in great health, despite being over 100 years old. He becomes fixated on death, the one thing that seems to elude him, and begins tending to the cemetery next to his home, even building himself an elaborate crypt in the garden as a bitter symbol of his immortal life. One night, Bruno is driving in a thunderstorm and hydroplanes through an intersection, crashing into an oncoming car. Badly injured, Bruno pulls himself from the wreckage and calls for help. He survives, but loses his left eye. At the hospital, he learns that the other passengers in the vehicle have died, leaving behind a young son named Henry, who has no other family. Bruno recovers from the accident, but remains tormented by guilt. He changes his last name to Bolay and claims to be the boy's next of kin, his great uncle. 
After adopting Henry, Bruno tries to bond with him, but realizes that the loss of Henry's parents cannot be repaired. Bruno wonders why he, who's already been blessed with long life, should live while others should die. Feeling defeated, Bruno becomes more withdrawn than ever, keeping in contact with his only colleague, Dr. Gil... (laughs) Keeping in contact with his only colleague, Dr. Gilbert Buford, Henry, and his many exotic pets. Several years later, Bruno meets a patient named Renee Amand who admits she cannot pay for her care. He takes pity on the woman and offers her a job as his housekeeper. The two are kindred spirits and form a friendship as Renee begins her work on the old house Bruno has lived in for the past 70 years. Renee is a New Orleans native and divorcee who, like Bruno, has no biological children or close relatives. She considers herself a student of the universe and takes great interest in spiritualism, nature, and homeopathic medicine. Forming a connection with Renee, Bruno realizes his solitary life has denied him the love of a female companion. While Henry's away at boarding school, they begin a passionate love <gasps> Oh, the age gap. <laughs> <laughs> between, no, between Renee and Bruno? Yeah, isn't he like over a hundred? Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was okay, just joking. That, that is gap. It's like clearly, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, one night after sharing a bottle of wine, Bruno feels the overwhelming urge to share the truth with Renee. He spills his life story, his past as Josiah Crowley and Titusville, the crystal skull, Topham, his fake death, the car accident with Henry's parents, and his unnaturally long life. Although Renee swears to protect his secret, she takes a special special interest in the crystal skull and its black magic. The next morning, Renee pleads with Bruno to submit the skull for testing at the Milo Institute of Research and Technology. She implores him to think of the impact it would have on medicine and the science of aging. Feeling guilty for keeping the skull to himself, he reluctantly agrees. Secretly, Renee researches the skull's origins, devouring every piece of information she can find on the Whisperer, even contacting Prudence Rutherford, the author of a historical piece about the legend behind the famed Incan crystal skulls. Renee learns that as legend has it, the skull's owner is untouched by age and disease, but can still die at the hands of another. The skull returns from the authenticator and Bruno waits for the results. Over the next few days, Renee becomes withdrawn, only interested in talking about the skull and its possibilities. Bruno is increasingly paranoid and decides to hide the skull in his crypt, leaving a series of clues for Henry to find should it, to find it should anything happen to him. Weeks pass and Renee wonders if Bruno's claims about his age and immortality were just a drunken story. Maybe the skull was no more than a paperweight. She decides to move on, figuring the authenticator dismissed the skull's finding without so much as a phone call. She collects the mail and thumbs through it, laughing at herself for believing Bruno's tall tale. She pauses as she notices a letter from the Milo Institute. Tearing it open, she reads in disbelief that the skull dates back to the 1500s and appears to have been painstakingly hand-carved with ancient Mesoamerican tools. The letter goes on to implore Bruno to contact the Smithsonian Museum, but Renee doesn't finish reading. Hearing Bruno coming downstairs, she stuffs the paper in her pocket and says nothing of it. Later that evening, Renee pens a new letter and places it in the mailbox to be discovered the next day. When Bruno opens the false letter, he's shocked to read that the analysis of the skull skull determined it was created with modern day instruments. Knowing that the skull is at least 70 years old, the length of time it's been in his possession, he reaches for the phone to ask the authenticator to reconsider his findings. Renee stops him, saying that the professor is probably out of the office for lunch and that they should wait to call. Terrified, Renee excuses herself to the garden. She frantically tries to think of an explanation should Bruno find the contents of the original letter. While she picks some sprigs of thyme, her eyes are, dra- her eyes are drawn to a nightshade bush growing, by, growing nearby. She cuts a leaf from the plant and tucks it away. So, what happens next? We can assume that Renee poisons Bruno and Dr. Buford discovers his body staged in the foyer with the fake letter in hand. Much to Renee's dismay, though, the skull is already hidden away and the beginning of the game ensues. I didn't want to write a death scene for poor Bruno. It it pains me that his life was plagued by betrayal that ultimately led to his murder at the hand of the only woman he really cared for. Was the crystal skull a blessing or a curse? I like to think of it as Frodo's ring, which preyed on weakness and greed, tempting anyone who knew of its existence to steal it for themselves. It forced Bruno into a life of paranoia and isolation, which is the real tragedy in this story. But if you know anything about the Lord of the Ring, you'll remember that the ring was found at the bottom of the lake. So will the story continue? As Josiah (gasps) slash Bruno would say, time will tell. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is so good. Are you kidding? 
That was incredible. Thank you for sharing that. Oh my gosh. That and also so well written. Like so well the, written. the like, oh, it, it's lovely. It's just it's a beautiful piece. Thank you. So well written. So well written. And uh incredible. So claps to Tessa. Claps to Tessa. Thank, Thank you, you, Tessa. Tessa. Um, yeah. I d- I'm gonna leave that whole thing in. It was just so good. It is so it's so good. It's so good. I'm obsessed. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um shall we shall we shall we get on with our phantom yes emily what game are we talking about today (laughs) the phantom of venice yeah um do you remember your first playthrough of this one do i um uh, hmm, honestly not particularly i remember some some bits but not a lot yeah yeah um i have i have a like very fun story with this one me lady so my dad and i as i've alluded to in the past have played a lot of these games together and this Mm -hmm. was one of them but what made this one different than the others that we played together was i actually got this for him for christmas and part of his gift was it was like a scavenger hunt to find the game and so like the first gift was like the first clue you know and I had to like go around the house and like find it it was um it was super fun but yeah this is the game that we did this with and we played it on his laptop but we would plug it into the television so whoever was like the one playing was like on the laptop the other one was like watching it on the tv it was awesome he's so great but yeah I just my my only things I remember were dancing in the cat suit and <laughs> freaking scopa <laughs> so much scopa we have we have very different opinions on scopa well we'll get there okay okay we'll get there because okay. my mind has been changed ah i'm since playing it this very time. glad to hear that <laughs> but yeah so that's my my memory and I Aww. texted him today and I was like we're talking about the Phantom of Venice today <laughs> and he was like I remember that game we lost the card game all the time and I was like yeah we did yeah yeah so. I lost several times this time around oh interesting yeah I don't know why I why. I didn't lose one time nice that's awesome thank you I I got lucky but also like I I actually understood the rules this time so it was a little bit easier Um, I got I understood the rules and I got very unlucky (laughs) so it's fine yeah sometimes it happens uh Um, do you want some fun facts yes okay so the Phantom of Venice was released on July 8th of 2008 and I realized that this really was like my for me personally these were my prime nancy drew years in 2008 i was in middle school about to go into high school and uh, i do remember this game coming out i remember the next game haunting of castle malloy coming out i remember legend of crystal skull coming out it was really like it was a good it was like a a sweet a sweet time in my life yeah (laughs) two new games a year and uh, middle school one of those things was great the other was horrible (laughs) Um, it was based on the book of the same name. So Nancy Drew and the Phantom of Venice. Um, the plot is that Prudence Rutherford from Secret of the Scarlet Hand recommended us to the Italian police to investigate art thefts, which (laughs) are we getting paid? No, because we have absolutely not. Nope. Nope. It's fine. Uh, (laughs) we're not getting paid. It's. And uh, I'm not going to say have to, like, about that. Work for buddy, and we're working, and we're working a very dangerous job. Might yeah, I? Yeah, right. Like, like quite Nancy, dangerous. We need you to go into Zatere and go capture the thing for Enrico. Steal yeah. the steal the sapphire. Steal the sapphire. It's yeah, it, it's hilarious, <sighs> oh, but buddy. it's okay. We're you know, it's fine. We're used to it by now. <laughs> I know, but, really. Uh, this is the first game with good news and bad news second chances, which are really fun. They're like, the good news you didn't 
break your head open when the urn fell on you. The bad news, you got a concussion and you can't even remember that you were ever a detective anymore. Right. I love <laughs> yeah. that. Um, those are really fun. It's also the first game with bloopers after the end credits. Did you ever? Oh, you told me about that and I totally didn't watch it. Darn. That's They're okay. fun. They're fun. Um, and the binary poster in Antonio Fongo's office says, I love cute little fuzzy animals. That's very cute. That's what that says. <laughs> so yeah and those are all of my those are all of my fun facts all your fun facts um my the only thing I have to add just based on my casual research Mm -hmm. was that though the book is named the Phantom of Venice the stories are nothing alike oh yeah more I that's all I know I'd have to read it to (laughs) to tell you why but I guess the story in the book is like completely different Hmm. um so I'm curious what that means what the differences are so that might be one we'll have to read at some point, yeah. maybe. But yeah, definitely. Um, Super cool. Yeah, that is an cool. Amazon an Amazon review. review. I do. I will say this is the um, first one I've looked up that has, I would say, the fewest one star reviews. Nice. Like genuinely, which is really neat. Um, but I, this is, wait, hold on, I have to find it. This is my favorite uh, one, though. It's, by seashell one two three four this is from 2012 the title is too repetitive i liked the beginning of the story i felt some of the things you were asked to do needed a mouse it would be better if there were more hints to use if you get stuck i went to walkthroughs on the internet for help overall i don't think mysteries are for me (laughs) and did they say needed a mouse yeah like i think i think they mean like a like a computer mouse and not a trackpad they were probably using a laptop but who games on a trackpad oh I used to that's how I I played growing up because I I had a laptop this is my first pc the one I have or pc meaning sorry desktop this is my first desktop I've ever had everything else I've used has been a laptop well even still I always would just buy a usb mouse and plug it in. oh yes well not all of us did that (laughs) <laughs> I will say but I, I points at herself I know literally I picked this one though because I just love that this seashell I'll call them is having such a midlife crisis that the, throughout writing think, this review they just realized I don't think mysteries are for me I and I mysteries are for me I respect that so much Aww. um anyway so that was the best what one. is for them no I hope they found their thing I agree and then it's not mysteries it's probably not um but then i have a new segment that i (laughs) am starting that i told emily about over text today which is called the history behind the mystery you heard it here first you heard it here first folks just because i was like well first of all have you been to venice before i have you have i have too when Mm -hmm. did you go i went in uh, 2016 I think I went in 2016 too, or 2015 maybe. Okay. But yeah. And I went with uh, my choir in high school. It's very Uh, fun. uh Uh-huh. Super fun. trips, man. Oh yeah. It was great though. (laughs) And I loved Venice. I like absolutely loved it there. Yeah. It's, it's really, the architecture is really unique. I like that it's mostly a walking city or a boating city. Um, But it is sort of. Did you go elsewhere in Italy? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Where I did. did. I just loved it. Um, we went to um, Florence, Rome. Yep, Florence and Milan, and I think that was it, actually. Hmm. But yeah, we didn't go to Rome, which was kind of a bummer. I did want to do that. I love Rome. I freaking yeah. love Rome. Yes, that's great. I mean, Rome maybe if I'd gone there, place. I would have been like obsessed with Rome, but. Yeah, I didn't like Venice as much as I um, liked Rome or Florence. Venice was actually my least favorite, but it was also just so crowded when we went. Yeah, that is um, that is a significant issue with mm-hmm. Venice and Venetian tourism is is the sheer amount of people. And for a period of time, they actually asked cruise ships to limit 
like it had to be like under a certain amount of people that were on the ship mm-hmm. in order for them to be allowed to even park there. That's not there anymore, that rule, but it was there for a while because Venice is like slowly sinking mm-hmm. is the very yeah. sad truth of it. And a lot of people are speculating that it will be completely underwater if nothing is done by 2100, 2100, 20 which is one, yeah. Yikes. crazy. But yeah, so it's kind of like wild because tourism is its main form of income, but it's also like mm-hmm. killing it's it. killing it. Right. Yeah. Um, that was most of what I had about Venice. And the other thing that I thought was really interesting is in the game, we get this map and all the places on the map besides the con uh, Nas Costa is our Ven- Venetian places yeah. that actually exist, mm-hmm. which is so cool that they went into that detail. What was and- your favorite place in Venice? St. Mark's Cathedral, which I know is like the place, but it's so beautiful. I can't even, you know what I mean? My favorite place was St. Mark's Square. Yeah, it was gorgeous. It's so beautiful. And we honestly didn't do much else. We kind of stuck around that area, if I'm being honest. It's a place I'd like to go back to, but it's so crowded all the time that it's just like hard to really enjoy. Yeah. Um, But the other thing I wanted to talk about was Commedia dell'arte which oh yeah is referenced a ton of times and there's a lot of like overlap between the masks in like the carnival of venice and Commedia. people don't know if it's like it's got to have something to do with each other but Mm -hmm. for those of you who do not know Commedia dell'arte is a form of italian professional theater that is still studied today i studied it in college that relies on character types and they all wear different masks so that's like obviously a theme in this game. Mm-hmm. And I, I pulled some of the descriptions of the three masks that we um, are exposed to in the game. We have, okay. of course, Il Dottore, which is the, the main bad guy. And that means doctor, the doctor. Mm-hmm. And it's usually a comic character who is well-fed and learned, which is what the internet yes, says. Hilarious. <laughs> El Capitano is the captain who is often deceitful and boasts about his war accomplishments, but through all his seriousness is often the butt of the joke. And then Enrico's mask, they don't, they never say, but it's closest to a pantalone mask, um, which represents a character who is exceptionally greedy and at the top of social status, which fit his character. So yeah, but that, that's pretty much it. I just wanted to do a little bit of little bit of research about the masks and the and the venice and things yeah i love it yeah venice has such a cool it's such a cool place very very cool i have a um glass blown wine bottle stopper Mm. from venice that's really cool that's really neat it's it's actually really beautiful i really love it Yeah. yeah my favorite um being in Venice, I just, I have one visceral memory of sitting in St. Mark's Square. You know how it's not like a square? It's kind of like an L kind of, or like a T. Yes. We were sitting on the, in the section that opens up to the water. Um, and there's all these like outdoor restaurants and stuff. Uh, and so we sat down at one. I ordered us, I was with five, four of my friends I ordered us like a 45 euro bottle of wine. We all split it and listened to a string quartet in the evening in Venice and it was breezy and we were just looking out onto the water. It was a, it was one of those moments where you're just like, this is, this is perfect. Yeah. Did you actually stay there like on the island? We didn't stay. No, No, we stayed on the mainland part of Venice. Okay. Um, Yeah. I was just curious about that there weren't really airbnbs like on the island of venice <laughs> yeah you have to it probably costs so much to just actually oh, stay yeah. there oh yeah we were like nah that's okay well yeah. shall we get into our our characters yeah okay How about let's just let's just okay caroline we have a character in this game who pisses me off so much can you guess who it is is it colin yeah <laughs> I why does he piss you him. off he's so freaking annoying and like territorial over us and he doesn't even know us he's like oh 
Where'd you get that locket, Nancy? Oh, do you have a boyfriend at home, Nancy? Oh, oh my gosh. Woe is me. You're taken, Nancy. I'm like, you know what? Shut the fuck yeah, up. You like, met me a day ago. She's on vacation. She's not staying. Why? Yeah. yeah. Why are you getting butt hurt? I know he's really weird. And then he gets kind of like mad at us randomly about things. Yeah. I, yeah I'm just not. He's okay. He reminds, me, he reminds me of a lot of men I've known. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, not in a good way. Yeah. That's really true. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Colin Baxter is obsessed with tessera 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 and it's so annoying (laughs) and he expects us to look at them with him all day oh my gosh that scene where we're like sliding through all the colors and he just repeats like the voice lines and then Mm -hmm. anytime no matter how long we sit there and watch him Mm -hmm. if we back away he's like Oh, you're just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. You hate it. He's like, um, he's like not the not like other girls, but he's a guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, <sighs> but I was kind of glad we had a representation of a historical restorer just because yeah. it is so important to Venice and Italy as a whole. So mm-hmm. that that was neat, but I hate him. <coughs> <laughs> neat, but we hate him. Yeah. He's super creepy. He's obsessed with Nancy. It's uncomfortable. Please stop it. However, he is voiced by Jonah. Jonah Von Spreaking. Jonah will get you on the podcast one day. It'll happen. We're going to make you do every single voice you've ever done. Like in like succession. In succession. Yes. Incredible. Um, Yeah. That's all I have to say about Colin. Yep. Do you have anything? Nope. No. Sniveling little English boy. Sniveling little English boy. English boy. English boy. Uh, How about Margarita? We've been like really good in these last couple episodes with having our characters listed in the same order Ooh, it's very funny um yes margarita has are you the- coming up with your list off the top of your head no are you looking on is are you going off of the nancy drew fandom like yeah <laughs> is that what you do that's too <laughs> that's, so that's why it's always in the same order oh my gosh that's funny. Yep. Um, Margarita is the bless your heart church lady who talks shit behind your back, but you know what? It's okay because she's going to die of skin cancer. I love her. I love her too, though. I was like, I don't mind her because she's an icon. I'm obsessed with Margarita. Please hate me. I want to be her. I know she's great. That's how I feel about Charlena Purcell. Yeah. I was just like, totally. (laughs) Yeah. I feel you on that. No, I love Margarita. Um, And it's really funny because I, if there's one thing that I cannot stand, and this is a recent development, like since I moved here, and I think it's just because my big mouth has gotten me into so much trouble in the past, but I can't stand gossip. I like, if you start gossiping around me, I shut it down. I don't care how mean I sound. I'm like, no, like, don't talk about this person to me. I don't want it. Yeah. Um, And margarita obviously is a gossip monger right oh my gosh yeah yeah but i still i want to be her she's incredible no i really feel that emily like i have like i have two people i will vent to because i I hate Mm -hmm. when people are like gossiping but they're like oh no i'm just venting it's like no um there are two people i vent to and Mm -hmm. they're and it's my mom Mm -hmm. and sarah yeah and that's it because Mm -hmm. they're not people who are gonna go and you know tell everybody they're people I trust and to confide in and usually are outside of the situation Mm -hmm. um and then with Sarah like we're a very healthy couple so if we have an issue we are not going to go talk to other people about it we'll talk to each other about it because we're adults (sighs) and love each other (laughs) so anyway but yeah I've always I hate it I've always hated it yeah Um, yeah I can't stand it yeah my rule is that I'll I'll vent only to someone who doesn't know and probably will never know the person that I'm venting about um I'll never vent about it except the one exception probably is my friend here who is also kind of my boss slash best friend slash pastor like oh yeah if so yeah I'm like that's probably the one exception to that rule but otherwise I am not gonna vent to someone who knows the person I'm venting about yeah not cool not cool dude um Margarita does not follow it which is fine it's okay we still love her anyway 
she's the owner of Fanes Costa. She spends a lot of money, but also doesn't have a lot, but did have a lot because she inherited a little inherited a lot from her dead husband. Yeah. But then like spent it all. So we don't know her financial situation. That's okay. She's just fine. She's used to having a lot of money to spend. So Mm -hmm. can't relate, but whatever. (laughs) Support us on Patreon. Just kidding. (laughs) I know literally we're so um she's voiced by Jen Hammond who also voiced uh, Molly McKenna in one of the dossiers and some other characters in other things I just haven't heard of. Oh, okay. Wait, mm-hmm. what's her name? Molly McKenna. M-C-K-E-N-N-A. It was one of them was uh, like a super, super grandma or something. I don't know what super grandma is. But the actor's name intriguing. is Molly McKenna? Yes. And a lot of our voice actors who we have been talking about recently have only been in Nancy Drew things. So it was cool to see someone else who had been in other things. He's like a voice actor. Yeah. Full time. Yeah. I think the last one we encountered like that, aside from Jonah, probably would be, um, do you remember, I believe Big Island Mike's voice actor had a ton of credits. Yeah, I think that is true. Yeah. Yeah. They they were very successful. He was very successful. Uh Uh-huh. Um, do you have anything else to say about Margarita? Nope. Love okay. her. Uh, Helena Berg. Helena! Um, our roomie for life. Hashtag roomies for life. Hashtag also, roomies for life. so obviously the villain, just by process of elimination, but I honestly love her so much for being the brains behind this, like, massive smuggling ring. <sighs> yeah, like, talk about feminism. I know. And she and, quality, I, and she's so nice power. you would never even know. Yeah. No. yeah. I love her. Mm-hmm. She's a journalist who does most of her reporting on high profile crimes. Um and uh so okay, of course this reminds me of a true crime case that I know of. Um and the true crime case it was oh he has a really and coincidentally i think the guy was also german oh wow. um wow. i might have to i'm gonna have to look it up real quick uh jack unterweger okay okay give me a moment because this is actually really fascinating because it reminds me a lot of helena um so okay he is he is an Austrian serial killer who committed murder. And I'm just getting this off of, if you go to Wikipedia and search Jack Unterweger, which is spelled U-N-T-E-R-W-E-G-E-R, this will come up. Um, He committed murder. He was initially convicted in 74 of just one murder. And he started writing a lot while in prison. And he was a really good writer. And so the, like, elite took his writing as evidence that he had been rehabilitated and so he was released Mm. on parole in 1990 um he became kind of this like minor celebrity he worked as a journalist but he also started serial killing again and he actually was in um if you know anything about true crime you've probably heard of um the cecil hotel in la which is where elisa lamb died slash was killed depending on what theory you hold to and I believe that Jack Unterweger was in LA yes here it is um he was hired by oh no ah I lost it um uh he here we go he was hired by an Austrian magazine to write about crime in LA and to write mm. about, because um, there were a lot of, uh, like, murders happening of prostitutes in L.A. Um, and uh, so he wrote about it. And during his time in L.A., three sex workers were killed. And <laughs> the police were, like, like asking him to investigate and write about and help with these murders. But then they found out that he had done it. It was oh, just this, like, my gosh. crazy thing. And the they he literally got the opportunity to like learn more and talk more about serial killers and murdering 
while he was also doing it. It reminds me of Helena. You know, she's doing crime reporting and also right. heading doing up. Doing crimes. This huge <laughs> art theft ring. That's not wild. wild. That is really yeah. wild. Well, yeah. that was a neat, a neat little detour there. That was interesting. Yeah, sorry. I go on, don't get me on a true crime tangent, y'all, because it will keep going. Anyway, um, <laughs> she. do you have anything to say about Helena before... She just, she looks like one of my ex-girlfriends <laughs> so ah, much. Okay. I won't say more than that to protect <laughs> them. But yeah, it was just like, I was like, wow, that, that she looks so much like my girlfriend who I dated in high school. <laughs> nice. So nice. Funny. Nice. <laughs> um, she's voiced by Adrienne McLean, who has also voiced a few characters in the Dossier games, as well as Rachel Hubbard. In warnings at Waverly Academy. Whoa! And Savannah Woodham in Shadow at the Water's Edge and Ghost of Thornton Hall. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's great. Yep. Uh, last but not least, last but kind of least, we do see him the least probably. Yeah. Enrico Tazza. Enrico Tazza. He's just a dirty, seedy guy who is really into Scopa. I. Uh, I love him only because I love Scopa. I do, yeah. But it's like, I like Enrico. We don't even know. Like we know he's a bad guy immediately. It's not like yeah, he's a suspect. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but yeah, we already know he's a bad guy. So we really only we really only have three suspects in this game. Right, right. Because we we know uh, Fongo also is like a bad guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Hmm um also we forgot to say caroline what are you drinking oh well so i did go to the store to try to find something themed obviously wine is the italian thing but i really wine gets me really hungover, and i'm trying Mm. not to buy a bottle of wine right now because i'm moving in five days Mm. so i got it's birds of paradise but just take out paradise and just birds Birds. because (laughs) birds and then i also got two robbers which is a um a seltzer brand that's i think it's philadelphia local don't quote me on that but anyway it but i did the two robbers because there's two robbers (laughs) nice nice. there's actually more than two robbers but (laughs) i just i don't know are we one of them we're one of the robbers yay (laughs) we are the two robbers me and you Oh, because there's two of us, you know. Oh, so the, what are we robbing today, Caroline? We're our robbing people's attention with our hearts. true crime stuff and also our Venice facts. Yeah, yeah. Emily, shall we get into our begin our gameplay notes? But we'll probably not get very far before we have to say we shall. We week. shall. All yes. right. So we. I... Oh. Oh, I was just mm. gonna say Sorry. we're undercover. <laughs> uh-huh thank god i love the games for undercover yeah those then are by fun. prudence rutherford and i'm so glad we get another chance to be undercover because the last time we were it was danger by design and that was kind of a butt of a game so <sighs> and this is so much better of a game so that was we love fun. being undercover yeah we do what were you gonna i have say? um i have a couple images on my phone um so yeah, I just wanted, I decided that I, I want to start reading our current assignment notes oh, that's at the great. beginning of each game. So this is our current assignment. Thanks to Prudence Rutherford, the wealthy socialite whose necklace I helped recover while solving that scarlet hand case a while back, I'm on my way to Venice, Italy. Apparently someone there has been dressing up in a mask and cape and stealing valuable pieces of art. The news media call him the Phantom, not only because of the way he dresses, but because he leaves behind so few clues. Prudence, who loves Venice and belongs to an organization dedicated dedicated to preserving the city's art, is outraged the thief hasn't been caught yet. So she talked to someone she knows at the GDIF, the Italian version of our FBI, into having me help the police in their investigation. She arranged for me to stay in Venice in the palazzo she used to own, which now belongs to a well-to-do widow named Margarita Falberg. Falberg? Falberg? I don't know. Beyond that, all I know for sure is that I'll be working undercover, and as soon as I arrive, the police will send me something that will lead me to my assignment. What what it will be, I have no idea. But am I excited? See, si. see, si. I love her. She's so cute. Did you ever, Caroline? Are you a Lizzie McGuire movie aficionado? 
Lizzie McGuire was before my time. Uh, yeah, I figured. Okay, well, I watch it too often, and there, yeah. Anyway, but anyway, Lizzie, there's there's one point where she's like, uh, she's like, how do you say yes in Italian? Ah, see. Si. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, that's funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Thanks for doing that. Yeah. Of See? course. And then we have a killer opener. Killer. It is the record scratch freeze frame. Well, I bet you're wondering how I got yeah. into this weird yeah. situation. <laughs> <laughs> which I don't think we see again, do we? Yeah. This is, I think, the first and last time, which, but it's good. I, I really enjoyed yeah. the opener because it kind of, you know, it's coming the yeah. whole time you're playing. You're like, I know I'm going to be trapped in a room with some water. Like, yep. what was that other game? Ghost Dogs in Moon Lake. Mm-hmm. So, a classic yeah it was really really good so good yeah loved it and I forgot how much I love the music in this game yeah it's really like when you're in it it was very nostalgic for me I was like wow I feel like I'm like in middle school again playing with yeah we should have the it's locked ads on for one episode it's locked ads it's locked ads oh my gosh that I would be die. crazy and like i don't even you know bruce and well, henry are gonna have like 20 minutes of just being like it's so good to see you man oh wow how's it going i would die that would actually that would be really fun we should do that we'll I'm, talk I'm, about it we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about it. it we'll see if we can do it okay we'll talk about it um the first person I met was Colin, Same. our first simp. Yes, and I said meeting Colin, who is the most British Brit to ever British. Yeah. Uh huh. He's like, yes, but I went to his... Oxford and I talk like this and I. And I'm uh-huh. like, are you British? Colin? But his biggest regret is that he's not Italian. Oh my god! Like that's a regret that you can have. Like you, yeah, you did something wrong over that. Like. <laughs> my biggest regret oh he's what a drama queen what a drama queen he literally throws a hissy fit after we refuse to look at a bajillion tessera which I actually did because I was taking notes while I was like oh this is a good time for me to catch up on my notes yep while he's showing us and so I stayed there for a long time (laughs) he was still pissed like my I know it's like that is rude Mm -hmm. so rude so then I, I met Margarita, who is just me love too. queen. Mm-hmm. And then we run into Helena outside. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, this like feels like the beginning of like a rom-com. Ooh, and I was like, I was like, I was like, okay, but like Colin's obsessed with Nancy, but like, what if it's Nancy and Helena? Like, what if like Nancy goes to Venice and like she she gets her rocks off with Helena and then goes back to her frat boy Ned? Like if you had yeah. to pair Nancy with any girl, who, not Bess or George, Bess and George don't count, who would you choose? Any, any, sorry. I need to look. Okay. Uh, you, pause you too, briefly. And we'll... uh, interlude music. <sighs> Are you ready? Okay. So it's got, okay. Yes, I'm ready. Okay, you go first. So Helena is one of my answers, but okay. also like Deirdre Shannon. Okay, Deirdre was the first person I thought of when I asked you that question. Because enemies like, to yeah. lovers, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. There's, there's a lot of sexual tension there. It's a good trope for a reason. Right. Yeah. How about you? Dagny. Dagny <gasps> Silva. I did think of Dagny as well. I mean, I just, oh. I personally have a huge crush on Dagny. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty great. Yeah. So, yeah. And she's like but... a good, uh, she's like, she's good, but she's so edgy. I'm obsessed with her. I love Dagny. We she's strong do... and edgy and great. Uh, we should I do like her. a, um, for every game, we <laughs> do a sexual attention award. I tried to do a would I sleep with them for the first That's game and true. then you were like Emily they're in high school well they were in high school 
That's why I didn't want to do that. I was like, they're in high school. That's weird. I'm so ashamed that I didn't. Okay, well, do you want to do it for this game? Sure. Colin, would you sleep with him? No, absolutely not. Margarita, yes. Oh, okay. I feel like Margarita knows knows something or two. She knows a thing or two. Uh, Helena. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Enrico. No. I'm ashamed to say, like, maybe, but, like, I might need to see his face first. But also, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, where are we? <laughs> where, um... Oh, Helena. We yeah. ran into her. That's the beginning of, of a rom-com. A beginning of a rom-com. Incredible. Oh, I made a note. Oh my gosh, this is so good. I, I said, I just wrote Tessa Ray, more like Tessa Gay. Um, nice. I also want to note here, because it's just, you know, it's just kind of beginning of the game things. I really love that Helena just has a photo of herself on her vanity. <laughs> like, that's so funny. Like, that she just has a gigantic photo in the frame of herself. Like that's incredible. That's so funny. Like I didn't I even love her for that. Oh my god. Oh, anyway. I'm obsessed. So this might be a good time to pause and okay. say, hey guys, we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week, guys. Well, we'll see you in two weeks, we'll guys. See you in two weeks, guys. In but two before weeks. we go, we just before really we quickly would like to thank our besties and patron folks who are awesome. We have Tessa, Joe, and Robert. Thank you so much for yes. being our first three patrons. Congrats, guys. Yes. Love you. We um, would really love to get more people in. So they're the um they're on our Discord server. Yes. Which I'm so excited to get more people in there so that we can like chat and hang out more. And Caroline, what's the subscription tier to get on our Discord? I believe it's just the second level tier. Like, okay. or the, sorry, the $2 tier. So you only need to give two bucks a month to be added to our Discord. So okay. if you want to be part of the conversation, please. It's really not that much. So um, yeah. And we'll double yeah. check that when we're off and just make sure. But yeah head on over and join and we would love to have you yeah we would because we love with we've you been having some fun <laughs> yeah we've been having fun yeah um so thank you so much to our patrons thank you to everyone else for listening we're emily and caroline we are and emily where can they find you if they're not listening to you talk about nancy drew you can find me on instagram at emily hunt 94 and soon I will also have a YouTube account that will have video game content on it, but that's not set up yet, but incoming, <laughs> it'll, it'll be here soon. <laughs> Brilliant. Caroline. Amazing. Hello, everybody. I'm Caroline Arwela. And when I am not talking about hot Nancy Drew characters, <laughs> I am on Instagram and Twitter at Caroline Orgels. I'm a voice actor. If you want to know what I'm doing, that's where all the info is. And also I have, I'm on Twitch, uh, Ultra Hope Girls on Twitch, but it's soon changing to Caroline Orgels. So it'll all be the same. And I will be streaming Castle Malloy. So you have that to look forward to and you'll find out all that info on It's Locked Podcast on Instagram. On Instagram. So Yeah, thanks for being here, guys. And we'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to It's Locked Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at It's Locked Podcast. If you'd like to offer some support and become a Patreon member, you can find us at patreon.com slash It's Locked Podcast. Thanks so much for joining. We'll see you back in two weeks.